Amen. All right. Week five of six, Christ Encounters. Have you enjoyed this series of Christ Encounters? Um, we are looking at one-on-one conversations that people in the Bible have had with Jesus, and then looking at even the one-on-one conversations uh, and experiences of, of our church people. And so we've got a good video today, a good testimony today of just that. I believe, as I've said for a couple of weeks now, that I believe the church should be fun. We should, we should enjoy coming to the house of the Lord, but we should also come expecting a mighty move of God. We should come expecting the presence and the power of God. How many of you came expecting the presence and the power of God this morning? Come on, that's what we're here for, all right? So this conversation is the first conversation that we are talking about that takes place outside of the Gospels. Five of the six uh, in this series happen inside the Gospels. This is, the one, this is one that happens outside of the Gospels. So we're looking at Jesus and his conversation with Saul, who would later become Paul, okay? So this sermon, this has one point. I have one point to my sermon, okay? I'm just going to go ahead and give it to you from the beginning, okay? I'm just going to give you the, whole, the point. This is the point of the sermon. I'm going to give it to you, and then that way you can kind of let it marinate as we're talking about it a little bit. You know exactly what I'm talking about here, okay? So the first week, we talked about Zacchaeus and his acceptance, and so we talked about our acceptance. Uh, The second week, we talked about the leper's healing and deliverance. Then we talked about our healing and deliverance. Third week was the rich young ruler's decision, so therefore our decision. And then the last week was the Samaritan woman's past, and then we talked about our past. So week one, we talked about me. Week two, we talked about me. Week three, we talked about me. Week four, we talked about me. All right. If we're going to have one-on-one conversations with Jesus, he is going to turn the conversation and our focus to others. Okay? So that is what we are talking about here today. Now, there is a time and a place to talk about me and to have prayer for me or to pray for you or to figure out what's going on with you. We're going to have times for that. But... As we're going to find in this story, and as we find, I, I, many of us have found in our life, that he's going to turn our attention from ourselves and put it on other people. What we do to other people, how we treat other people, are we looking to share the gospel with other people? Are we looking to help other people? That's what we're looking. That's the one point that I have for you. Y'all can go home. No, you have to stay. Acts chapter nine. Acts chapter nine. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, we're going to have. The verses on the screen there for you as well, Acts chapter 9. So what has happened uh, so far, from basically from Acts chapters 2 through 8, it's the beginning of the church. The church has been born. The Holy Spirit has come on the day of Pentecost. Uh, the Holy Spirit is with the apostles and all those. They're, they're adding to their number each day. And so the church is exploding, and they're going everywhere, and um, miracles are happening uh, great things are happening. The church is starting, okay? The Holy Spirit is with their people. And so there, there's two things going on. The church is exploding, okay? The church is exploding over here. But on this side, there's people that does not like that the church is exploding, okay? They, uh, these are, for the most part, this was the, the Israelites or, or the Jewish people at this time, that they did not want to follow Jesus Christ. They did not believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, rose from the dead. Uh, but the church is exploding over here, and Jews are coming, even Gentiles are trying to come in, and so there, there's a lot going on here. So there are some people who are in, the, in, the, in, in Judaism who are trying to stop what is going on, stop this explosion of the church, okay? And so that, that's where we find Saul, okay? Saul was one of these people that was trying to stop the church. In a couple uh, chapters before this, 
he uh, stood there as they stoned Stephen. You know that story? Many of you know that story where they stone um, uh, Stephen, who was this uh, uh, leader of the way, as they called it at the time. And so Saul was this young man who was kind of on the upward swing in Judaism. Like he was in rising up the ladder, okay? So like one day he was going to be chief priest. So he was like moving on up, okay? People were following him. He was very zealous for the law. Uh, people liked him. They loved him. And, 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 but he was completely against the way and Christians and all this kind of stuff. So he is becoming this, this superstar in, in Judaism, okay? And so here we start in verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Wow. All right. That's, the, that's kind of our welcome to Saul, okay? He's, and really, he's kind of a terrorist. Can we say that? I mean, he's in one religious organization who's killing people of another religious organization solely for the fact of being in that religious organization. That's kind of terroristy, right? Okay? That's, so th so that, this is who Saul is, okay? Verse 2, he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers, the way, that's what they called it, Christianity, the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. So these first two verses set up kind of who Saul is. He is out to get Christians. He wants to stop the church from moving forward, okay? Verse 3, as he was approaching Damascus, which is one of the cities that he was going to to find some of these Christians, as he was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The light was so bright that he falls off his donkey. Okay? It was so bright, and it was such a... That's how you start a conversation, by the way. Okay? This, is, this is like our, our friend you know, Tim over here shining the flashlight in your eye. You know, can I see your registration? You know, I mean, this, is, this is how you start a good conversation. Okay? You shine a light in their eyes so that they fall down. I'm going to start doing that with you guys. Okay? No, I won't do that. And then he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I think it's very interesting. He doesn't say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my followers? He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And one of the things we've got to understand is that when we sin, yes, there are consequences that happen to others, but the sin is against God. When we sin, we sin against God. So there may be some consequences that go out here and with people and some things, and you might need to make some things right if you lied about or gossip with someone or whatever, okay? But the sin is against God, always, always, always. The sin is against God. And so, this, so he's, he's murdering and torturing Christians, but yet Jesus says, you are sinning against me. Why are you persecuting me? Verse 5. Who are you, Lord? He knows enough to say Lord, okay? Saul asked, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. So many times in the Bible, he will send an angel in his place. This is Jesus talking, okay? Jesus is talking to Saul. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what to do. This is what, okay, a short conversation but I think one that Saul will remember for the rest of his life, okay? 
This is pretty short, but man, okay, get up, go to the city, you'll be told what to do. Verse 7, the men with Saul, so there were other people that were kind of in this caravan with him, the men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. So this was something that was just for Saul. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. So there's these three days where he has a conversation with Jesus. He becomes blind and he doesn't eat or drink for three days. This, this has affected him so much. This conversation with Jesus has affected him so much he, he's become blind. Now, many times, you know, Something bad will happen to us, and we say, God, why'd you do that to us? Well, he's trying to get your attention. Sometimes, sometimes it's, I'm trying to get your attention. That's why I allowed this to happen. Now, he didn't know he was only going to be blind for three days. He just knew he was, so day two and a half, I don't know what he's thinking. You know, am I never going to see again? Like, what's going on? But he becomes blind. He doesn't eat. This conversation with Jesus has woken him up, okay? He, it, his life is about to change. What Paul, or excuse me, he was, he's going to be Paul later. What Saul was used to doing, and this is what the, this encounter, one of the things that it means. What Saul was used to doing was keeping his eyes on the law. Well, the law says this, so this is what we have to do. The law says this, so we do this, okay? And what Jesus was doing is he was taking his eyes off of the law and putting it on him. Taking his eyes off the law. Let's, 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 let's reboot, Okay? This is when you restart your computer, all right? Reboot, okay? We're going to be blind for a couple of days. I want you to take your eyes off of that, and I want you to put your eyes on me, okay? Because I've got a mission for you. I've got a job for you. I have pulled you out, and I've got a reason for you and what you want to do. Sometimes Jesus does that to us, okay? Now, we don't like those three days where we're blind and hungry and thirsty, but sometimes Jesus does that to us because we need a reboot. Let's restart that computer, okay? And sometimes there's a reboot that happens that will then change our life for the better. Verse 10. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling. Ananias, yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarshish named Saul... He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Now, Jesus talks to Saul on the way to Damascus. While, he's at, while that's happening, Jesus is also talking to Ananias in Damascus. Now, they don't know that Jesus is talking to both of them, okay? They don't know that. All they know is their side of the story at, the, at this moment, okay? We severely underestimate how much God works behind the scenes. I think severely underestimate. When he tells us to do something, or he's got a job for us, okay, he's orchestrating things going around, okay? He's already been working behind the scenes. He didn't just wake up that morning and decide... Okay, I'm going to give you a good Arkansas word, okay? He didn't wake up that morning and just decide all willy-nilly to tell you to do something, okay? That's what we say in Arkansas, <laughs> okay? 
it, it, it wasn't just spontaneous. It wasn't like God was like, ah, let's try this. No, God orchestrates things behind the scenes. So when he tells you to do something, it's not in a vacuum. It is every time he's telling you to do this because he's also told this person to do this and this person to do this and this person to do this so that it can all matter together. And too many times we only see it from our point of view. And we go, well, what's that going to do? What this little small thing that you're asking me to do, what's that going to do? And God's like, just listen to me. I know what it's going to do. I know that you don't know what it's going to do, but I know what it's going to do. It's not up to us to decide what our role is. It's up to us to say yes to the role that God gives us. Okay? Now, sometimes we want to have this big Saul to Paul role. Like we want, we want the big thing. We want to be the preacher. We want to be the missionary. We want to be the, this over here. And he says, I want you to do this right now. Okay? Maybe we'll get there. Okay? Ananias, this is the only story that Ananias is in. Only story in the Bible. But if Ananias doesn't fulfill his role, then we've got a problem over here with Saul. So you've got to fulfill the role that you're given. Some of us, God is calling you to do the Saul-type stuff, what we would consider the big-type stuff, but we want to shy away from that, and we'll, we'll do some smaller stuff over here and say, well, I'm doing stuff, God. And God says, okay, I'm not asking you to be Ananias. I'm wanting you to be Saul over here. And too many times we shrink away from the big things that God has for us, and we do some little bitty small things, and we say, well, I'm doing, some, I'm doing stuff, God. He's called you over here. It's not up for us to decide what the role is that God has for us. It's our job to say, yes, Lord. And at this moment, I'm sure that Ananias would go on to do great things later on in his life. They're not recorded in Scripture, but I'm sure that he went on to do other things. But what he needed to do at this moment was go over and pray for this guy named Saul. That's what I need you to do right now. And many times, that's what he tells us. I need you to do this right here, okay? Verse 13. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard, how many times do we bring like what we understand about a problem to God? Like God don't know what's going on, okay? We act like we know everything and we're like educating God on stuff, you know? We're like, well, I've heard God. This is, this is kind of like when your child comes up to you and says, I got a new joke to tell you. You want to hear a new joke? And they're like, knock, knock. And you go, okay. Let me go through my Rolodex of the thousand knock, knock jokes that I know. And which one are you going to tell me? You know? And they go, and you say, uh, who's there? And they say, banana. And you go, no, we're not doing that one. That's too long. <laughs> That's a 10-minute joke. <laughs> like, we're not doing that one, okay? Like, we act like God doesn't know what's going on, okay? <laughs> this happened the other day. Juliet's not in the room, so I can tell the story, right? So Juliet's, Juliet's we're at the table, and, and she, said, she says, hey, Dad, you, you want to play this game? It's called Hot Hands. Put your hands on top of mine. And I said, what's Hot Hands? And she says, just put your hands on top of mine. So I put my hands, and she goes, gotcha, you know? I said, okay, now what do we do? And she said, we do it again. Okay, so she puts her hands, and she goes to hit me, and I move them away, and she misses. And I said, now what happens, Juliet? You missed. And she says, well, now 
I put my hands on your hands. And I said, okay. So she puts her hands there and whap, I just slap her on the hand. <laughs> and she says, you're supposed to do two hands, Dad. And I said, I've been playing this game for 30 years, Juliet. <laughs> and it's not called hot hands either. It's called slaps, okay? And I'll teach you knuckles here in a minute if you really want to learn some new games, okay? <laughs> okay? <laughs> Like God doesn't know what's going on. But here's Ananias. But Lord, I've heard, let's continue. I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. So everybody knows what Saul is there to do. Everybody knows what Saul's there to do. This is not a, a secret. There's not a secret sect of Judaism like coming to get. Everybody knows what's going on. Okay? Including God, by the way. Including God. Verse 15, but the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles, to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. He says, Go. This is the, I think God put his dad voice on and was like, Boy, do what I said. <laughs> you know? Do what I said. Go. I know what I'm doing. This is your role, okay? I need you to step outside yourself. Step outside your fear for a second. Step outside the way that you feel about the situation. And I want you to be obedient to what I have for you. I want you to go and I want you to pray. All I'm asking you to do is go pray for a guy. Just go and pray for Saul. Verse 17. So Ananias went. And found Saul, he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, I guess that's where we get it. Brother, sister, okay. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, they're Pentecostal. If they were, if they were alive today, they'd go to an AG church. Come on. <laughs> Instantly. <laughs> Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Man, the power, the power of, that's what we're talking about. When we come to church, expect the presence and the power of God. Two conversations with Jesus. A man says yes to the seemingly small role that he gave Ananias. But he says yes, and so now his name is in the Bible forever and ever and ever because he obeyed a small command. See, these things don't go unnoticed up in heaven, okay? I understand that maybe the whole church doesn't see the small thing you did, but God does. And Ananias' name is in the Bible forever because he said yes to the small thing. Go pray for a guy. He sees that. He sees it. And the power of God happens. So it looks like scales falls from his eyes and he regained his sight. And he got up and was baptized. That's another reboot, okay? He's like, let's get baptized, okay? I need a reboot here, okay? I'm, I'm moving from this, 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 this Judaism and the law and all this, and I'm moving over here to the way. 
He's making a decision here. Verse 21, I'm sorry, verse 19. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began to preach about Jesus in the the synagogues, saying, he is indeed the Son of God. Immediately. Immediately begins to preach. The change that happened in this man's life. I'm talking one conversation with Jesus and three days of being blind, and he's completely changed. Three days ago, he was a murderous, (laughs) murderous follower of the law that he thought. He was this murderous man, three, uh, murderous man against Christianity. Three days later, he's preaching Christianity is the only way. Change in your life. You can't tell me that God cannot change you with a conversation. One conversation with Jesus. He's completely different. A completely different person. He goes from running in this direction to turning around and running in this direction. That is change. That is good news for those of you here in this room that say, I'm too far gone, or the person that's in my family or friend, they're too far gone. We were talking about a terrorist at one point, completely turning around and preaching the name of Jesus Christ. He is indeed the Son of God. He completely changed from his thoughts and his opinions and what he thought was right to completely changing. And now he didn't, it's interesting, he didn't you know, go and like, you know, sleep in his bed for months and, oh, woe is me, I can't believe I did this and I did these bad things and I killed these Christians. And, and, and I, maybe there was a moment of, 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 of remorse and mournfulness, I don't know, but it didn't last long. Immediately, I got to tell people about Jesus. Like I was wrong here, but I got to tell people about Jesus. It was a complete 180. It was a complete change. Verse 21, all who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked, and didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Again, everybody knows what's going on. Everybody knows. What did Saul give up with just a conversation with Jesus and a bad weekend? Like, what did he give up? He was a rising young man in Judaism on his way to be the chief priest, okay? He had it all in that world. Now, the rich young ruler had money. What Saul had was reputation, was prestige, was power, was influence. And in one conversation in three days, he gave it all away. As he's moving up the ladder to be chief priest one day, his reputation comes tumbling down. We find out a few verses later that these people who were with him and sending him to Damascus, now they want to kill him. He's no longer on the way to being chief priest one day. What he gave up for Jesus Christ, he gave up his, all of his friends in the Sanhedrin, no more friends, gave up his reputation, gave up his prestige, gave up his good name, gave up his power, all to follow this Jesus. And all the Jesus followers over here were skeptical of him and didn't accept him right away. He gave up everything and didn't get new friends in return either. He gave up everything. 
And we don't want to give up TV or the internet or whatever, whatever God's wanting us, you know? He gave up everything to follow Jesus. And it changed his life so much so that instead of killing Christians, he was trying to make more. That's like the opposite. (laughs) He gave it up. He gave up what he had, what he felt was important, what he thought, his opinions, his stuff, all for the sake of Jesus. Verse 22, Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. He, he, it was such a flip the other way that the guys that he used to be on debate team with, he's now on the other side and beating them. <laughs> That's the change in his life. They couldn't refute what he was saying. Jesus rose from the grave. He rose from the dead. He is the Messiah. He completely reversed who he was. This is a story that says, it's not about me. It's not about what I think, the direction that I think that you should go, my feelings, my thoughts. When when God changes us, we completely change from this selfish person that thinks about ourselves and our feelings and our prestige and our influence and who we are. That completely breaks down. There's no such thing as a selfish Christian. No such thing. You cannot live a selfish life and call yourself a Christian. In fact, I, I, I would say, if you can call yourself a Christian if you want to, but if you're still thinking about yourself and how you feel and what you think about something, I, I would question your salvation. Listen, you can't, you can't act this way and say, I, I, I think about myself and I gossip about this person and this person makes, you know, uh, this is me, 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 and then I talk to Jesus and now I still act like this a little bit. Like, you can't do that. This is, I think about me and, and my thoughts and my feelings and my opinions and what I think. I have a conversation with Jesus. He changes my life. And now I have to move and think about other people. Other people. Number one, who doesn't know Jesus Christ? Number one is about salvation. And who doesn't know Jesus? And number two, the poor and, 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 and the discouraged and the hurt We reach out to other people, and that's exactly what Saul's, change to Paul's, ministry was. Get people saved, make disciples, plant churches, help widows, help the unfortunate. That's all Saul slash Paul did from that point on. It changes our life. There is a regeneration work that has to be done inside of us. We cannot remain selfish. We cannot remain people that only think about ourselves. I understand that there are times that we're going to come to the house of God and we're going to need something for us that we, have to, uh, that we have to feel accepted or we have to have deliverance about something or we have, you know, there's something going on in my life, I understand. But as we have to turn our attention away from ourselves and move to other people. I think that there are people even watching here today or in this room that are, they may be called to be a missionary. But you're thinking, oh, I couldn't do that because I couldn't give up this or this, or I don't know if I could do that. It's about I. But if God's changing us, it's not about I. It's about, okay, who? Who else? Who, who needs to hear about Jesus? How can I, what hurting person can I help? 
You completely change, and he moves us into that ministry. And we've got to be ready to say yes, to completely change our life. I want to introduce you to my friend Marcelo Villalobos. He's a usher in our church. His wife works, works here at the church as our bookkeeper. Great, great people. And he's got a really good story about coming to know the Lord and then being thrust right into ministry. So let's see this testimony from Marcelo. I grew up in the Pentecostal church. Um, when I got older, um, I guess my big thing was to get my wife to go to church. Uh, Angie used to be Catholic, you know, before we got married, so I started bringing her to church. Uh, my idea was to get her saved at church and to bring the family to church while I stayed in the world, pretty much to say. Yeah, when I was, uh, we were at church, um, Right at the end of service, uh, well, during church they mentioned that they were going to have a baptism and if anybody wanted to sign up to get baptized, and well, I wasn't planning on getting baptized then, uh, but at the end of service, the deacon, he knew me since I was a kid and, and he asked me if I was ready to get baptized. And I just told him that I would think about it, but in my mind, I'm like, there's no way I can get baptized, especially right now. I used to smoke back then, so I had a pack of cigarettes in my in my coat pocket. He didn't see it, but you know that was that was just more telling me that you're not ready for this. You know, you're living a whole different life. I guess some rough times with my my siblings, and uh, one day while I was going to work, um, I just had it heavy on my mind, heavy on my heart, and. Um, I started flipping through the radio station, and this is where I first found KSBJ, and they were playing a song. As soon as I turned it, uh, tuned in, they were playing a song by John Gibson called Jesus. And at that moment, it just I just felt all this weight come off of me. Uh, I felt like I was on cloud nine, you know, and it was just a different experience that I'd ever felt. Uh, and then I knew it wasn't, I knew it was God, you know, talking to me and telling me uh, pretty much that He was there for me and and not to worry about it, you know. So after that, uh, that's when I decided to to change my life and and get baptized uh, and go on from there. Uh, I guess after a month or two after I was saved, I got baptized and then at the church. Uh, Congregation used to nominate certain people to be either the secretary or uh, youth president or what have you, and uh, someone nominated me, and I was kind of uh, shocked, you know. And then the whole congregation raised their hand, and someone seconded, and by then I got up and I told the pastor, "I can't do this," you know. And he told me, sit down, Marcelo, it's too late. They seconded, you know. So I wasn't much for words. Uh, I was shy and, and just thinking of standing behind a pulpit, you know, in front of the congregation was, uh, it was kind of scary for me, you know. Uh, but yeah, I was a youth president at Templo Hetzelmanid, the church I went to for probably four years. That's so great. <clears throat> now listen, God's called you to a ministry, and I second it. 
Sorry, too late. I've already seconded the people. God's called you to do something. God has called you to, to step outside yourself, look outside yourself, and look to other people. Many of you in this room, you have done this. You have reached out to yourself, and you've reached out to other people, and you've brought them into the family of God. And so you know what it feels like to bring someone in, to know that you reached out to someone else. Some of you know what it's like to, to help the hurting, and you've seen it with your own eyes, and, and you know this is what God wants for you. So the Lord is calling everyone. It's not just a couple of people. God is calling everyone to look outside yourselves and to reach out to others, and I second it. And I second it. Listen, the, the more the world is about you, the more angry and tired you will be. When everything is about you, then, then you see every little slight that might be against you and you get mad. You know? They didn't recognize me. Didn't they know that I did this? You know, it just like everything is just, it, it, you, you, can, you can assume that everything is an attack or an offense at you and, and you become the, this victim, I guess. When it's about me, when it's about me, I, it's easy for me to get angry at others when they don't live up to my expectations. And then I, I'm trying to get them there and so I'm running around trying to let everybody know how great I am and I become tired. However, when, we, when you take the, the thought off of you and you turn it to other people, especially about their salvation and, and their healing and their deliverance, we drop our anger because we realize that if they do something against us, they're, they're not sinning against us. Again, they're sinning against God, as we mentioned earlier. The sin is against God. We don't take offense to it. They're just like, they don't, sinners going to sin. So, so we don't get upset at when they, when they attack us. We don't see offense in everything. And then also we're able to help because we're using God's strength to help others. We're not doing everything in our own strength. Before Saul went out and preached, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. That meant, don't do it all on your own, Saul. I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be able to do all these things in my power. In my power. So the more we make it about us, we become angry and tired. The more we make it about God and other people, oh, the ministry that gets done, the people that come to know Jesus. And that's my challenge for you today. So we're going to go into a time of prayer in our one-on-one -on -one conversations with Jesus. So if you would stand with us this morning, we're going to go into a time of prayer. And, and this may be the first, this is the first conversation we have where we're not going to talk about us. Now, the first part of the conversation might be about us. God, I'm sorry that I've been selfish, so God changed me, okay? So if you need to say that prayer, then say that I prayer. But then after that, God, who do I reach out to? God, show me how to be this type of Saul or Ananias, whatever role you have for me to play. I want to do what you have me to do. I've also found out that if we do some of these Ananias roles, these small roles, he'll give us more things to do as well. Just found in Matthew as well. So let's find a place to pray. And listen, the power of God can change us. The power of God can change us from a, from a selfish person who's always finding offense to this person that goes out and tells others about Jesus Christ, whether they listen or not. We're gonna, and we do it in God's power, in the Holy Spirit power. 
So if you would, one, two, three, go. Find a place to pray. Find a place to pray. Whether you can do it at your seat, you can come to the altar, that's fine. But find a place to pray. We sung a song at the end of worship called, God, Give Us Your Heart. And I wanted them to sing that today. I know it's a new song. But I wanted them to sing that today, and we're going to sing it here at the altar as well. God, give us your heart. And your heart is for other people. Your heart is always for other people. So yes, we may have to pray that initial God, I'm sorry for being selfish, or, or God, change me prayer. But then we, we've got to move to this, who can I minister to? Who can I touch with the love of Jesus Christ? With who can I help? Who can I be there for with compassion? Let's pray. Let's have a one-on-one conversation with Jesus and see what he wants us to do.